choir in his temple. Can I get an amen? For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And then the final verse of that chapter reads, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Can I get an amen? Now, I don't want to belabor this. don't want to drag it out. But I do feel it's a right now word. And so I want us to have ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Point your hands in my direction so it would be easy for me to preach. It would be if you pray for me. And all of us are one together. Pray for me. I will for you. Father, thank you for the anointed, powerful music of this choir and these voices. Thank you, God, for reminding us of the real joy of Christmas and the real meaning of it, Lord. And the celebration that must come from our hearts to the Savior. And Lord, the more we celebrate you, the more you celebrate us with blessings and favor. And so I pray right now as we render the word. I pray, God, that there would be no unnecessary interruptions. I pray there would be a reverence for this time. And I pray that you'd arrest our minds and our bodies. That we might receive what you have given. God, we need some gifts that money can't buy. We need some gifts that will not come in bags and boxes and bowls and bottles. We need gifts, oh God, that only heaven can release. And so we make ourselves available to do for us. You do for us what no human power can do for us. We receive your word in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Amen. And amen it is. Thank you for being seated. I want to remind all the men that are available to come for prayer tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. We'll do that tomorrow and spend some time with the Lord as is our custom. I speak to people regularly who carry excess baggage around. Fear fills most of those bags. Fear tells... You and I, that we'll get cancer and we're going to die from it. Fear tells us that we're going to lose our job. Many others have. You're next. Fear will tell you that a friend opposes you. Fear tells us that we might even lose our families. Fear brings on the probability in our thinking that if we've been delivered from a Destructive lifestyle or a habit or addiction that was a captivity to us that we're not just very far away from returning back into it. Because fear will tell you once a alcoholic, always an alcoholic, once a whatever captivity, fear does that. It's baggage. Fear tells us that we're not even saved. You ever had Satan tell you that? I have. Fear tells us that God doesn't see us, doesn't know us, and if He does, He doesn't even care. And there are numerous things over which one can be fearful. There are things real, and there are things imaginary. Here's a good definition for fear on some occasions. It's the acronym for the word fear. False evidence appearing real. Can I get a witness by faith? I like that definition because it fits in with a little cute little uh, Christmas story that is done by way of uh, Charles Schultz who has passed on now, but he is the creator of Charlie Brown. I get inspirations from all kinds of sources, including Charlie Brown. 
And if you've ever seen a Charlie Brown Christmas, then you've probably seen this little segment I'm about to describe. Charlie Brown is at Lucy's psychiatric booth. You know, she charges five cents. I think it's going up to ten cents for advice. They're diametrically opposite in personality, Charlie Brown and Lucy. Lucy is a nor'easter waiting to happen somewhere. And Charlie Brown is a storm already blown past him. but, But he comes to Lucy for some psychiatric help. She says to Charlie Brown, what can I do for you, Charlie Brown? And he says, I'm depressed. I know I shouldn't be, but I am. Well, Lucy says, I think we need to pinpoint your fears. If we can label them, then we can know how to deal with them. Are you afraid of responsibility, Charlie Brown? Because if you are, you have what's called hypengeophobia. Are you afraid of cats, Charlie Brown? Because if you are, you have what's called alaraphobia. Are you afraid of staircases, climbing up staircases, Charlie Brown? Because if you are, then you have what's called climacophobia. I think she made that one up. <laughs> Maybe afraid of crossing bridges. Then what you have is called jeffophobia. Some people still do. Uh, just a little moment there. <laughs> Maybe you're afraid of oceans. If you're afraid of oceans, then you have what's called phallisophobia. Charlie Brown, maybe you have pantophobia. Do you have pantophobia, Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown says, what is pantophobia? She says, a fear of everything. Everything. And he says, that's it, that's it, that's what I have, I fear everything. Real, imaginary, otherwise. That's what fear can produce. Can I get an amen here? I think that, that oftentimes, you know, we have feared and worried about some things that... The false evidence appearing real. And we have to look back and laugh at ourselves. Because we get tied up in knots for stuff that are not worthy of it. I read this week about a woman in Arkansas that was sitting in her car in a parking lot when she heard a loud bang and she felt a sharp pain hit her in the back of her head. She was holding her hands behind her head when someone walked by and saw her despair and asked her, her, are you okay, ma'am? And the woman answered, I've been shot in the head and I'm holding my brains in. (laughs) Well, it wasn't her brains. It was dough. It was a Pillsbury biscuit canister that had exploded in the back seat, apparently from the heat of the summer. And it made a loud explosion, shooting the dough into the back of her head. (laughs) She wasn't holding in no brains. Doesn't fear do that? False evidence appearing real. And then I like Johnny Carver. I read about Johnny Carver this week. Kind of reminds me of me about his fear. Johnny Carver says, as a boy growing up in the country, I had heard scary stories about a snake called a black racer that would chase you. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. This is a moment of transparency. I like no kinds of snake. Dead snake, living snake, rubber snake, vinyl, no kind of snake. And some of you have heard about holiness people, and you know that we are holding this church, and you, you've heard that holiness people handle snake. You better not bring no snake in this house. If you bring a snake, you better bring a hole or hammer or a gun, because you're going to handle it. And you bring me a snake and a spirit of slap will come on me, and I won't be slapping no snake. Just wanted you to know my fear. Johnny Carver says that 
the stories about this scary snake called a black racer. Just a little echo here. You might back down from it, Brian. You can probably hear it. This black racer that would chase you, the story he said, kept me very alert as I walked up and down the gravel road where we lived. He said, one day mom asked me to go to the neighbor's house and borrow an iron, an iron that you iron clothes with, because ours was broken. I started up the road with a watchful eye on each side of the road with its weeds growing up along the way. I could just imagine one of those black racers laying back in the shadows, just waiting to slip up on me and bite me. I borrowed the iron and started back down the road toward the house when I sensed something was following me. I looked over my shoulder and sure enough, there in the road behind me was a snake just raising up to bite me. I took off with all the speed I could muster. I ran almost to the house and was almost unable to breathe when I looked over my opposite shoulder. And there to my amazement was the iron cord dragging on the ground behind me. I had almost ran myself to death running from an iron cord. You're laughing because all of us have done that. Yeah. Fear is false evidence appearing real on many occasions. But I'm going to change the mood. And I'm going to tell you that fear also can be based in facts. But fear brings bondage. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's no getting around the fact that fear brings bondage. Let me show you what I've learned. I've learned that when you're born again, Jesus comes into your heart. He gives you the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. There's a difference between the indwelling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not the lesson for today. But when you get born again, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes in you as a child of God, He gives you an anointing. Can I get another witness here? The anointing of the Holy Spirit is an empowerment from God... To live for God and to overcome the temptations of the world and the flesh and the devil. The anointing of God gives you the capacity, the capacity in your human body to do what you could not do otherwise when you're anointed. However, Satan has a different kind of anointing too. He has one called the spirit of fear. Follow me now. You can be born again serving God and Satan can try to attack you with the spirit of fear. Moses feared going to Pharaoh, even though the Lord gave him signs and wonders. Can I get an amen? Uh, Esther feared going before the king on behalf of her people because of the potential consequences. Elijah ran for his life from wicked Jezebel. Even you can be born again, and Satan wants to put a reverse demonic anointing on you with the spirit of fear. Can I get an amen here? And what I'm saying to you is that when fear comes, it brings about the anointing that you don't want. You don't want the darkness and the horror and the the manifestations of what fear produces. In my brief little study, I want to show you here this morning some of the manifestations of the spirit of fear. I want to show you what we're dealing with and how God tells us we can deal with it. I won't belabor it, but I'll give you some so you can think about. One of the first manifestations of fear is this thing of fright. In Psalm 55 and 5, the Bible says, fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. Here's another manifestation, torment. 1 John 4 and 18, the Bible says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casted out fear, because fear had torment. The Word of God says another manifestation is this thing called trembling. Uh, you, you, ever, you ever heard somebody say, I was so scared my knees were rattling? Job 4 and 14 says, fear came upon me and trembling had made all my bones to shake. 
Here's another manifestation, please. The word horror. Again, Psalm 55 and 5. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. If Satan would have his way with the spirit of fear, dread would be another symptom. In Exodus 15 and 16, fear and dread fall upon them. Then there is this thing of the fear of death. In Psalm 55 and 4, it says, My heart is so pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. But there's an answer to the fear of death, because in Hebrews 2 and 14, the Bible says that Jesus took upon himself our form and became flesh and blood, that through his death, he might destroy him that has the power of death, that is the devil. Somebody say amen. Here's another manifestation. When fear comes in, it produces faithlessness in some of us. You remember the occasion of the disciples in the boat with Jesus crossing the Sea of Galilee on the night time and a storm blew in. Jesus was resting in the boat and they awakened Jesus for fear that the boat was going to capsize or submerge. And when Jesus woke up, he said to them, why are you fearful? O ye of little faith, then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But even what we know about Jesus, sometimes fear will minimize our faith. There are other things that we need to be aware of, and I won't tarry here, but here are some other manifestations. When fear comes in, terror also arrives. Terror is a sense of danger or impending evil. There is also this thing known as nightmare, or words nightmares, plural, and of course, those are night terrors. One of the manifestations of fear is this thing of apprehension to fear evil. Another one is anxiety. Anxiety is worrying about tomorrow, which is a lack of trust in God. Amen? Then there is this thing of carefulness. Somebody says, well, you can't be too careful. Well, in some cases you can be because you'll become paranoid. There's a, a show on TV about a man that's too careful. His name is Monk. You ever seen him? Yeah, he's paranoid about having too much care. Then there's this thing of timidity. Timidity infers nervousness and excitability. When fear comes in, there is this thing of worry. Worry is the synonym of fear. Then, of course, there's inferiority, meaning rejection, tension. Tension which leads to the heart rapids beating and the heart rate increasing and nervous disorders. There's also this thing of heart attacks. We find that to be the case when we read Luke 21 and 26. It says, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things that are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. I mean, oh, enough fear can affect your heart. Say amen. Of course, there's fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a sneer, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Then, of course, fear of poverty, fear of rejection, fear of misunderstanding. And the list goes on and on. And if that's not enough, I read where there are four types of nervous disorders that can be produced by the spirit of fear. I'm not a doctor and I don't study this, but I have enough simple knowledge to, to understand what's going on. One of the first type of nervous disorder that fear brings is neurosis, affecting the nerves. Then there is this thing of nervous breakdowns. And if you look at some people, they're just one nervous breakdown ready to happen because of what fear does. 
Then there is this thing called neuralgia, which is a very acute pain which follows the course of a nerve. I used to like to look at Fred Sanford, and when life got tough, he'd hold his heart and say, Look out, Elizabeth, I'm about to come home. That's what fear does. Fear also produces neuritis, which is the inflammation of a nerve. And having said all that about fear, you're probably wondering, Pastor, is there any good news? And the answer is yes. The good news is that Jesus paid the price for our freedom from fear. Amen, church? The good news is that God has given us the capacity to get a grip on fear. And He's instructed us in His Word that we can live not by the spirit of fear. Second Timothy 1 and 7, the Word of God says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Put your hands together and thank God for that. If I have a choice, I always want power and love and a sound mind. So let's look for just a minute, if you will, about how to get rid of this thing called fear. First thing you got to do is hire the right team. You got to get the right people on your side or person. Let me show you what I mean. Romans says in Romans 8 and 2, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul says that there are two laws operating in this world. Actually, there are two teams operating in the world. The first team he mentions is the team of life and faith. And this team is energized by our faith in God. The second team is known as the team of fear and death. And this team, if you will, is energized by this thing called fear. Now, now what I want you to understand is... You and I have got to make a choice on whose team we belong and what team we will hire so that we might be victorious. Let me elaborate just a little bit. What determines what team is on your side? Your choices. My choices. Give me an amen by faith. I, to a large degree, hold... The potential for my victory or my faith based on the Word of God. Let me show you what I mean. When we think of this thing of faith versus fear, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 and 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life. The two laws that I've just been talking about, these two laws are in the power of our tongue according to the Bible. Write this down and remember it. What you and I say can activate either the one law or the other. You employ one of the other of these teams through your words. Either you hire the fear and death team, or you hire the life and faith team. Once they're hired, they go about to bring about the only fruit that they can produce. All right, let me, let me see if I can give you an example. 
when the symptoms of sickness attack our body. We are tempted to tell everybody how badly we feel. And we say something like, oh, oh, I'm sick. And there's nothing wrong with saying you're sick if you are, because you want somebody to join with you in prayer. But if it goes on to things like, well, I'm probably going to be in bed for days. You hadn't even been sick for 20 minutes. I, I think I'm going to lose my job for how long I'm going to be sick. And if you give in to that kind of temptation to feel sorry for yourself and get sympathy from others... You will be hiring the fear and death team on your side. And the only fruit that fear and death produces is the fruit of destruction and loss and pain. Fear has a sidekick like Martin Jeff. Dumb and dumber. You with me, everybody? Fear has a sidekick whose name is Doubt. For fear to get a hold of you, doubt's got to first come in and lie to you and make you doubt the Word of God. Oh, help me hear somebody. Just like John the Baptist was the predecessor of Jesus, the cousin of Jesus. And and he did many signs and wonders and miracles, but he wasn't Jesus. He was the one that came as the predecessor to prepare the way for Jesus. He was a voice crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord. There's coming one after me whose laces I'm not worthy to tie up. But I baptize you with water, John says. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I'm going to get happy here in a minute. So what I want you to see is if you if you employ this thing of doubt and fear, then you only gonna get the results of what fear and doubt produces. But on the other hand, if you resist the temptation to dwell on your sickness and fears and you say something like this by the stripes that Jesus suffered 2000 years ago, I am healed in my body. If you say something like this, God sent his word to heal the people. Can I get an amen? Then what you have just done is hired the faith and life team. Give me another amen, somebody. You see, when you, when you hire the faith and life team, they, they go to work immediately to carry out God's work in your life. Brothers and sisters, by speaking what God's Word says in our situation, we activate the power of life that is in Christ Jesus. I didn't say this. I want you to see it. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's why even though we've had a wonderful choir presentation, I want a few moments to activate the Word of God in you. Because by you coming Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday, we are coming to hear the Word of God. And when we hear the Word of God, the Word of God, the Bible says, builds our faith, encourages to press on, and produces life and not death. Can I get another praise to the Lord in His name? I just want to teach you here, and I just want, to get, want you to get this. If, if, however, you get impatient while waiting for the manifestation of your healing, and you say something like, this isn't working. This faith, this praying, this anointing of oil, this going in front of people calling, for, this, ain't, this ain't working. This tithing and giving ain't working. This reading my Bible ain't working. This fasting isn't working. If you do that, you know what you've just done? You have just fired the uh, life and faith team. Let me tell you something about teams. 
They can get fired as quickly as they get hired. That's the guy with the Georgia Bulldogs who is the coach for the defensive. Uh, you know, the, 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 ask him if he's looking for a job. he tell you, yeah. Now, college football is just about over. Just a couple, a little more games remain. You find out guys are going fast. The faster you get hired, the faster you get fired. When the, when, when the NFL season is over here and, and maybe after the Super Bowl, you, you ask some coach. And, and they'll say, I can't answer the phone right now. I'm fixing to call U-Haul because I'm a goner. Just like, just like you can quickly do that in the, in the natural world out there, you and I, by allowing Satan to come in our mind and to let fear dwell in our minds long enough, we can hire or fire the right things or wrong things. Now, now here's something I want you to see. I want you to understand that according to the Bible, there are team reinforcements that are available by God to help us overcome fear. These team reinforcements work for the forces of faith or the forces of fear. One of the most powerful of these reinforcements that God makes available are the heavenly angels that are available as servants to those who belong to Jesus. Oh, I feel Jesus. For every one angel in eons of eternity past that rebelled with Satan and fell from heaven, God had two angels who stayed with him and honored him. Now, now, let me show you this. There are heavenly forces that work for your benefit, but there are demonic forces that work against you. Heavenly, look at what I'm, I'm trying to say. Heavenly angels respond to the word of God out of your mouth. They work for the team of life and faith. Fallen angels or demons respond to the word of Satan. I guess my marriage is going down the tube faster than anybody else's. I better call 1-800-DIVORCE. Preach, man. I am preaching to the best I got. I think I'm pulling an iron cord behind me though by looking at some of you. Anyhow, let me... Let... Fallen angels respond to the word of Satan. When you say something like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to go broke. I'm going to die. My husband and my wife leaving me. You dwell on that long enough, what happens is demons go into action because they now have been given a license by you to bring to pass the very thing you've spoken. Remember, the scripture says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Both types of angels are enforcers of the law in which they operate. Heavenly angels enforce the law of life. Demons enforce the law of sin and death. I don't know about you, but I'd whole lot rather have a host of heavenly angels fighting for me than demons chasing me. The Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp around those that fear him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, somebody give the Lord some praise right here. My, 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 help me, Jesus. Let, let me hasten here. I have also learned to appreciate from the word of God this thing of the fact that if we are going to conquer fear, we've got to establish a witness with the word of God. Most of you are already aware of this biblical principle. 
And that is, the Bible says, by two or more witnesses, a thing is established. That's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In Deuteronomy 19 and 15, in 2 Corinthians 13 and 1, in 1 Timothy 5 and 19, in Hebrews 10 and 28, the principle is there. By two or more witnesses, a thing is established. Follow me now. In other words, from heaven's point of view, it takes at least two parties saying the same thing for a matter to be settled. You remember in the Old Testament, no man could be brought before the judges or those in charge of uh, legislating justice. Nobody could just come, only one witness, and by the word of one witness, condemn a man to die. He had to have at least two. Can I get an amen here? The, the principle is this. When God says in his word, by his stripes we are healed, the devil immediately says, you're going to get cancer and die. You have two different parties saying opposite things. One is true and one is false. However, concerning your situation and your life, the, the opposite statement, meaning opposite of Satan's statement, you're going to die, the statement of you're healed is what you should tie into. What you have here is one saying death, one saying healing. And you then... Have the power to break the tie. Oh, help me, Jesus. That's over your mat. Oh, I know I ain't dressed up with no garlands and bells and bows, but I got some anointing on me just right now. <laughs> it's over your marriage, over your kids, over your finances, over your body. There's a lying devil. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. And what I'm saying to you is, whatever you come into agreement with, with your words, with your will, and with other areas of your life, that's what's going to rule. If you come in agreement with the Word of God, then indeed no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Because God is not a God that He should lie. Brothers and sisters, I have come to understand in my life... That I can't go by my feelings, and I can't go by what I see also. Did you hear what I said? I can't always go by what I see, because what I see don't look good, and I can't always go by how I feel, because sometimes my feelings are fickled. But I can latch on to a promise in the Bible that God has made to me. And I can believe that He is a God that is singularly interested in me. Somebody say amen. Let, let me hasten through this. Let, let me tell you this. Perhaps you have an area of fear over your finances. You think your financial life is going to crumble. Then the Bible says to us, if you agree with the word of God, the devil says your financial life is going to crumble. You're going to lose your job, lose your house, lose your car. And then God says in his word in Luke 6 and 38, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure you use it, that you use, it will be measured back to you. Somebody say amen. God is saying, I have a principle here. If you give and you obey... Even though like you are the widow woman in the Old Testament. And all you, oh help me, help me, here, somebody. All, you are in the midst of a famine. As we are, it seems like an economic famine. All you have is a little bit of meal in your barrel and a little bit of oil in your vase. If that's all you have, but you obey God anyhow, 
I want to tell you, if you come into agreement and you break the tie, God will make sure if you obey Him, you'll always have meal, you'll always have oil, you'll always have biscuits, you'll always have groceries, because never has the righteous been forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. Put your hands together and praise the Lord. Maybe there's a stronghold in sickness in your body. And the devil tells you, as I alluded earlier, you're going to die. You find a scripture. And you break the tie. In Proverbs 4 and 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. God's saying that to us. Do not let my words depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For God is saying about his words, verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. One of the, oh Jesus, one of the prophets of the Old Testament said about the word of God, thy words were found and I did eat them and they were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. He didn't mean that he ate the pages of the scroll. He just said, thy words were so life-giving to me that I skipped lunch, breakfast, and dinner and hid my face in this word to conquer my fear. you got to find a scripture or two. You know what some of you all have found? And I love you. Oh, God help me. Some of you have found you a country song. I'm of this opinion. If you are near to committing suicide and you don't have near enough nerve to carry it through, play you a country song. (laughs) Please play for me a sad melody so sad that it makes everybody cry. You know what I'm Somebody done somebody wrong song. Yeah, that's what somebody, yeah. You want to see for that? Valerie and I were, were involved in a lot of activities Friday evening. And one of which is to come back to the church and do some stuff that we needed to get ready for for Sunday. And, and the time got away. And uh, I had uh, spent most of the day, almost all of the day, preparation. And, and so waiting to eat later on in the evening. We just couldn't, couldn't get it together, a place to eat, and try to get done what we need to get done. And so we said, well, what about Longhorns? What about Old Charlie's? What about... Uh, some of the other places, you know. It takes too long. We got to sit down and wait. We ended up, we ended up at the Waffle House. <laughs> there is a complete different culture at the Waffle House. <laughs> and I like the Waffle House. Please understand, I like the Waffle House. But oh, there are some wonders at the Waffle House. <laughs> I'm talking about in the booth and behind the grill and in the jute box. They still call it jukebox? Do they still call it jukebox? Just say something, somebody. <laughs> Pastor JC, some kid got a quarter from his daddy and played the song Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I'm already in this different culture. The last thing I want to hear is grandmother being run over again by a wayward reindeer without GPS. Get you another song. (laughs) Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Somebody say praise the Lord. You got to break the tie. There's a tie going on. One says hell. The other says heaven. Sing about heaven. 
Oh, what about marriage problems? Oh, we could spend till Christmas right here. <laughs> you got problems in your marriage? Get a word from the Lord. First Peter three eight. Finally, all of you be of all of you married people, all of, pardon the grammar, us married people, be of one mind, have compassion for one another. This do for do stuff in marriage ain't what God called us to do. He gave you a black eye, you give him two. That's God. He wants food. I'll give him a burnt offering. That ain't what God called you for. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. This is good preaching. Get a hold of this. Even if your husband or wife ain't doing this, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, return a blessing. Somebody say amen. Because the word says, knowing that when you return a blessing, God called you to do that. That you may inherit a blessing. Some of us ain't getting no blessings because we ain't giving no blessing. All we're doing is giving black eyes and peace of our mind that we can't afford to spare. Y'all go ahead and say amen. That other crowd ain't coming anyhow. I didn't bless them out. They ain't coming back. So, no, I'm just, I'm only having just a little bit of uh, therapy here. I'm saying to you, agree with something positive. I, I need to hurry. This is what the Bible says about marriages. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. You know what's a good solution for marriage problems? Two words. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that though. <laughs> Sound like she's been there and done that, doesn't it? Anyhow, I, I love you, girl. You're just as real as you are there. My words are going to be zip it. Just as good. Just as good. Zip it. Refrain his tongue from evil and lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. If the devil's got a stronghold on your kids, find a scripture. I like this scripture. Isaiah 54. I feel the Lord here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to close here in a minute, okay? But tarry with me. You going to hang in here with me? Say amen. Look, all your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. And the more you quote that, the more the hounds of hell are going to chase your kids. When you start quoting Bible and praying and fasting over your kids for a season. Everybody say, for a season. When you start getting serious about deliverance from Satan's captivity and you turn on the heat against the devil, he'll turn on the heat against you for a season. For a season. But the Bible says if you claim it, train up a child in the way that he should grow. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Can I get an amen here? A few weeks ago, Valerie showed me a scripture in Colossians that she's praying over Lakeland. Lakeland is our grandson on the way. Kim and JC, February 1 is when he's coming. Yes, Lakeland's coming. Long before Lakeland came along, we've been praying that he would come. Long before those two found out what it takes for Lakeland to come, we've been praying for him to come. And there's, there's a verse in Colossians that Valerie, and she emailed me, Pastor Jeff, and I've been, I've been praying it over Lakeland. The next Elijah had to come. Because I know what the devil tries to do, but I know what God wants to do. If you have depression, Psalm 34 and 17, the righteous cry out to the Lord, and the Lord hears. Everybody say, the Lord hears. 
and delivers them out of all their troubles. Let me show you something else. If you have an addiction that you have overcome in the past, and oh, hounds of hell are raging in your mind about one more time, go back, one more time won't hurt, get a verse of Scripture. The Bible says it in Romans 8.37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that love us. The problem for fear is stemmed in the issue of sin. I said fear has its foundation in sin. I have had to, as a Christian, confess the sin of fear. Because when I let fear dwell in my life, I have sinned. Because God has not given me the spirit of fear, but the power of love and a sound mind. When I let fear come in, and I forget that last year God kept me, wonder what I'm going to do about next year, and worry and fearful about it, I need to apologize to God. Some of us need to repent of this sin of fear. Then others need to repent altogether. Because there are some people who don't fear God or man. But I'm telling you, everybody is going to die one day. And one day, everyone will stand before God. And be judged into righteousness and eternal life or hell and damnation. There's a right kind of fear and there's a wrong kind of fear. Right fear is the reverential fear of God. I'm closing with this. Here's what I want you to see. We're going to pray. Whatever your fears are, admit them. Can I get an amen by faith? God, I fear sickness. I fear termination of the job. I fear, and you know what it is. Tell it to Jesus. Commit them to God. Can I get another amen? Amen. Casting all your cares, including your fears, on Jesus. If you can do something about them, get up and do something about it. But if you can't, commit it. Release them. I prefer it colder at night to sleep. When we go to bed, we turn the heat down. I like it colder. But sometimes it's too cold. And I toss and turn for 30 minutes. Pull the sheet, pull the blanket, it's still too cold. And I know I'm only 30 seconds from the closet in the hallway where there's a big, thick blanket. And I can just get my lazy old sleepy, freezing bones out of that bed, make about 20 steps, pull that blanket off, throw it on the bed, and jump under. If you do something about your stuff, do it. But if you can't, Release it to Jesus. Then having done all to stand. Stand. Please, would you? Somebody thank God for his anointing. Somebody help me thank God. Come. Come in Jesus' name and meet me at the altar. If you've got any kind of fear, you're a Christian, you're going to heaven, but you're not carrying this bondage anymore. Come in Jesus' name. Bring your family, bring your finances, bring your sickness, bring your children, bring your everything. Come on, come on, come on. Hurry up this way. Come on. Come from everywhere. Pastor, what I need for Christmas, money can't buy, but Jesus will give freely. Come, demonstrate your faith by leaving that pew. In Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. Come on, look closer. Those of you already here because I want others to experience deliverance. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, come. Sing as you come. come. From all of them. Do not let this. You need to break the tie and vote. But it won't take God near as long to do what needs to be done. The decision is yours. Pastor, I have worn the carpet out to the altar. Not here alone, but elsewhere. Come back another time. Did you hear what I said? Pastor, I have blue highlight, yellow highlight, pink highlight, green highlight. All of them are Bible about promises. Go back and read them again. He will not mock you. And for you who are in this altar, before I pray, here's what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. If your children, if you have children, would ask you for bread, would you give them a serpent? No. Would you give them a stone? No. Jesus said, if you, being earthly, will take care of your children, will do the good things, I'm paraphrasing, if you being humans who are subject to sin will love and bless, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the kingdom? How much more will God heal your body? How much more will God bless your marriage, your finances, your future, and calm your fears? Please listen to me. This morning, don't weep and wail over them. Release them. Everybody in this altar, commit them Admit them, release them, and stand on a scripture in your mind. The best way to release fear is to praise God for what He's already done. The best way to release fear is to thank and praise God. Raise your hands all over the church. Nobody just looking around for the sake of looking. Raise your voice. And for 30 seconds, I want you to begin to praise Him and then praise Him louder. Thank you. Thank Him for the power over fear I thank you I release I thank you that my sickness is released my worries are released come on praise and praise the Lord the baby in my womb is healthy because I will not fear God the marriage is going to not only survive it's going to thrive because God is for me and I, come on come on and praise him Release it. Tell him whatever you need to right now. Just tell him what it is. God, some people are calling out things that have to do that have to do with with all kinds of attack of Satan. We speak against evil. We speak against greed. We speak against jealousy. We speak against bitterness. We speak, oh God, about against victimization. Come on, church. God, I release my fears and I commit them to God. Satan, you are a liar. Let the blood of Jesus Christ be reapplied to our lives. Somebody say praise the Lord. Oh, I worship you. I worship you, Jesus. God, I do not want to go by what I see with my eyes alone. I do not want to go by what I feel in my body alone. I want to live by faith. Father, I want to team up with the team of life and faith in Jesus' name.
I praise you, Lord. Come on, come on. I need a little bit more intercession. Come on, I need the church to intercede a little bit more. I don't want to be the only one doing it. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, let angels come down even now. Let angels be released, oh God. Demonic powers, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Lying hordes of hell, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Sickness and disease, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Life, joy, peace, whatsoever things are good and just and pure and lovely. I think on these things. I'm not going to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, I'm going to make my request known unto God, and the God of peace will give me peace from God. I give Him thanks. One more time. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say it out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hand on the shoulder of somebody beside you all over the church. Pray for them right now. Holy Spirit, show me what to say. Lord, for about 30 more seconds, come on, pray for them in Jesus' name. Somebody may have the key for somebody else's joy. They need somebody to team up with them. We just need somebody else to agree with us. Somebody else to agree with us. If two or three agree together, touching any one thing, it shall be done. By the words of two or more witnesses, this thing is established. Pray for them. God, when they're blessed, I'm blessed. Holy Spirit, this is the best Christmas ever. Twelve days to Christmas. And this is going to be the best. I may not have as much money. I may not have as much house. I may not have as much health. But I have Jesus. And that is more than enough. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We release the blessings. Amen. Oh, come, let us know. One more time. Say. Christmas, be 